God's word. Amen. Matthew chapter 10, verses 18, 19, and 20. Quiet in the riot. Title of my sermon. How many know that you're going to have some tough times in Christianity? You're going to have some tough times in Christianity. God don't raise no cream puffs. Ah, it's not going to be easy. But it's a great life, worth it. It's genuine. It's, you know, it's, it's authentic being a Christian. But it's not easy. Anything of value, you got to pay a price. Right? I mean, Keith, Nicole's ring, right? Right, right, right? Ah. Stevan. <laughs> Let's go on. Hallelujah. You got to pay a price, bro. Anything of value? Lenny. All right. Verse 18 of Matthew 10. On my account, this is Christ speaking, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Father, I pray that right now it would be you speaking through me. Let your word fall on prepared soil, on a prepared life, a life in preparation. There would be individuals that would be able to stand when the storms come. We're all going to have them. We've all had them. We're going to be strong Christians in you. We ask it in Christ's name. Everybody together said? And you may be seated. <clears throat> Let me just go where I was talking about it. I put it there in the beginning of the sermon. What had happened to me when I came to Christ, I had a Joint suspended sentence, five years special supervision, probation hanging over my head. I've been excluded from uh, uh, CRC, one of the prisons there in California. Said they didn't want me. They had to send me to the big house, the other ones. But I had in my closet, I would have to do a year in the county jail. I don't know why I had that, but there was a Lord, as I look back now. If, if, should I get excluded from CRC? And I don't know what I'd put it on there, but I, when I, before I caught, pled guilty, that's what they put. So that's what I got. I had to do a year. But anyways, after that, I had, I had caught some cases again. And when I was on the run, I went into the men's home in Los Angeles. They only had one at that time. And God sent me there, divine appointment. There was only one Victory Outreach Rehab home at that time. None. We have like 600 now. At that time, there was only one. Uh, and God found the one that, for me. It took me to Los Angeles where I was not from and I ended up there. Plan of God. After five days, I got saved, born again. When I was there the first day, they called me and they said, well, they were going to come pick me up, so me know my testimony. Uh, then I said, we, we called on the phone, and an hour later, they called me and said, we're, we won't pick you up. Turn yourself in in ten days. Five days later, I got saved, but five days after that, I had to go to court. I went to court. I ended up going to court about 10 times. The 10th time was for sentencing. 
My sister and I were together. By this time, my sister was born again, saved. She'd followed, and, and, and you know, she'd see what had happened to me. And, and, and so she came, and she was in the women's home. I was in the men's home. She was in the women's home. They sentenced us together the same day, okay? With her, they, 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 they let her slide, you know, because she wasn't that, that offensive. But with me, you know, they gave me 90 days, which the judge had to do. He said, Steve, I got to do this because it's the law. It's prescribed. There's no way getting around it. In other words, if you had done even a worse crime than, than under the influence, we could have maybe gave you, let you slide. But this, under the influence, 11751, they used to call it. Huh? You did this one. You got to do it. I'm, I'm, my hands are tied. I must sentence you to 90 days. And I said, well, Your Honor, see, I knew a few things. I said, uh, your hands aren't that tight. Yes, they are, but I know the law too. I would ask for a 90-day stay of execution. Ah, uh, Steve, he used to call me by first name. We were, we were, you know. I said, right? Yeah. I said, you know, the reason, Your Honor, is because, see, my, I'm going to, and I came with a bill full, fly, full of flyers and tracks and stuff that I was going to go into the jail. And I was already picturing myself there in the, that, you know, eight men's cells that they had or six men's cells that I, already, I could already picture myself in, in the steel beds and while well, the guys were out there doing stuff that I'd be under my knees praying. And I, and I was praying, I mean, those times in the home, we shandled big time. And I could already picture myself in the tanks, shakala marasanda, and, 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 it, and it vibrates there, you know. <laughs> but I was going to do it. And God knows my heart. God knows I was going to do it. But I told I tell the judge, you know, God changed my life. And I would ask the reason why I'm asking. It really wasn't. I'll tell you what I, why I was asking it. I didn't tell him the whole truth. Okay. I said, the reason I'm asking is because I know what's in there. And you know what's in there. There's lions in the place. And I got to be ready for the lions. If you would give me 90 more days, I could be even stronger. I'm just a baby in the Lord, I told him. And I was. Uh, Your Honor, I'm just a baby. You know, this is a new thing for me. Really, just, just, just for a person like me to be talking to the judge like that, be like, wow, man, Steve really means it. Uh, and, 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 and I would be prepared for so a 90 days stay, then I'll turn myself in in 90 days. I will. And I had on my record, they had given me these things before. That's why I knew they were, it was in the, you could do it. And I never turned myself in. <laughs> you know, even on this one, when they got me, I was on the run. You know, and he said, well, Steve, okay. I'll give it to you. Thanks. You know? But it was all in the hand of God. And some of you have heard my testimony. There was a lot of my friends up in the jury box. That's where they used to put the guys when they were going to deal with them. And I, I, this is the truth. I, then I went, and I went right after the judge gave me the 90 stick, because they were tripping. It was, it was a big thing. You know, they, you know, you got to move fast because the, the case load and all that stuff. But I'm, bam, bam, bam. And so everybody's listening. All the people that are in the courtroom, you know? The, the people, the stenographer, everybody, they're just tripping out on that. And when I'm done, when he finally says, okay, Steve, I'll do it. Really, one of them shots. And I said, thank you, Your Honor. You know? And I went to the jury box. Right away, I went to the jury box. See, faith was already gripping me. Faith is one of my stuff. Uh, and God has never, never, and I've seen never, let me down. And I went to the jury box. And all my partners that were the guys that I knew just even some acquaintances, I told them, I'm not going to have to do no time. To me, that was a great victory already. Just to have a 90-day stay. In other words, I was, in my heart, in my mind, I said, 
God, if you give me this, I know. I could sense in my heart, God didn't want me to do time. He wanted me out here. I could, I could sense it. So to me, that was a victory. I wanted to tell the guys, hey, God's not going to, and then someone, what are they, Steve? They already told you right now that you're sentenced. You got to turn yourself in. I said, just trip, bro. Just watch. Because I could sense the Lord. I could sense the part of God already. I said, no, I'm not going to do no time. What are you, you going to be a snitch or what? No, 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 no. This is God, bro. This is God. You know, because, hey, those are, you know, common things. Uh, no, 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 watch, watch. And I went back to the home, and I started doing stuff. And, and we were going to go to Yosemite uh, in, in like, like in about 70-some days from then. And I, and I knew God wanted me to go to Yosemite. Uh, and time was going by, time was going by. Sixty days later, I get a phone call. It's the probation department. They says, the judge wants to review your case. Come in in such and such a date. No. Sure I will. Uh, and I go there. And a lot of people were praying. The stenographer, she was a Christian. All kinds of stuff was happening. People were praying. And I go before the judge. And, and he just says, okay, Mr. Pineda, uh, we reviewed your case. And we're we're going to put you on a summary probation. And uh, 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 that's it. You can leave. Slap my hand, you know. See, that's the day. And during those times, I learned what I always teach people. There's always a ram cut in the thicket. Whenever you're going through something, there's always, God's always going to open a door. When he closed the door, look for a window. Because he closed the door, it was already sentenced. But look, I looked for a window. Like that song says. Uh, here, in this portion of scripture, Jesus here was, was talking to, 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 to common individuals, okay, who he had chosen to be his disciples, common men, fishermen, tax collectors, common laborers is who he was addressing here. They were not high and mighty noble individuals, not at all. These men, they were not used to, they were not even accustomed to coming before judges and lawyers and attorneys, let alone kings and governors, no way. Yet here Jesus tells them that someday they're going to have to face this predicament. Talk about Panic City. Remember, they're common people. They're not used to going before judges and magistrates and governors. And he says, you're going to have to do that someday. They, they start panicking. Wow, I am? Ah, oh, they, they begin to panic. See, this would be enough to make even the most, you know, uh, experienced lawbreaker shiver in his boots, wouldn't it? I've told you before. Now, if I get a parking ticket... Uh, no, no, no. Uh, and I've been, to, I've been to courts before. I can imagine those of you that never have. Uh, you're going to have to come before judges and magistrates and all that stuff and governors. Uh, and you understand that. Thus, my friend, it's easy to see the fear and the panic that those words of Christ would cause among his disciples. Are you with me? They'd panic. They'd be like, wow, what do we have to do? Now, Christ's disciples were common folk. And all of us common folk, all of us, not being used to or accustomed to dealing with, you know, with, with these dignitaries, we really don't know just how to act when we have to do these things. Uh, we seem to, to, to trip over our words. We say something that we just know we shouldn't have said it. We do say, oh my God. 
You got to come before you. You got to talk to the, you know, the, you got to talk to the uh, city council member or somebody. Uh, how about sometimes in church when we call you to testify, right? And then, oh man, I, you know what? I'll just sit down. Why did I say that? You know what I could have said? I could have put it like this. I could have, I should have said, oh my God, give me another chance. Pat. No, 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 no. Because huh? we panic. Uh, we look like, sometimes, oh man, I look like a fool. See, we feel we've done the wrong thing and said the wrong things. We feel awkward, sometimes even ashamed. So when the disciples hear these things in these words of Jesus in Matthew 10, they get a little bit uneasy. Understand that? They, they, they begin to wonder, wow. See, they probably begin to wonder and, and to contemplate what should they do? How shall we act? What are we going to say? See, no doubt they immediately became worried and anxious. Uh, and in their minds, they try to work things out. What am I going to do? Their mind starts going 90 miles an hour when Jesus said these words in Matthew 10. Now, what Christ was trying to do here was to prepare his disciples for life's emergencies. Life's, that's what he was trying to do. Get them ready for the storms in life. Uh, think it not strange. Get ready, Freddy, because it's coming. He also wanted to stretch them, to get them to another level. They were, they were victory type of people. They were common folk. And they were going to have to come before dignitaries like we're going to have to sometimes. I've had to do it. Uh, talk to mayors and, you know, even act like if I know what I'm saying and doing. Mm. I'm representing you. Uh, and, and so we got to be prepared. That's what Christ, he was trying to stretch them and get them to go to another level. I mean, a lot of us, I came into the home with a little shopping bag. Uh, really, I, I think if they might make a book or a movie, or, some people might watch my, my life a little bit. Because it's a trippy, trippy life. Coming from nothing, little shopping bag. You know, excuse me. Yes, uh, Reverend, oh, Reverend Pineda, oh, yes, that's, that's me. Uh, but I know what it's like. Been there, didn't say that. You know what I mean? Tripped over my words just like everybody else. Uh, see, just as you and I, as Christ's modern disciples, uh, most of us as well, we got to prepare our lives for life emergencies. You're going to have emergencies in life. That's what he was doing here. We must ready ourselves for life's emergencies. And as your pastor, Jesus did it, I got to do it for you too. That's what Christ did. That's how he discipled his disciples. I got to disciple you the same way. There's going to be storms in life that are going to come your way. Uh, and I don't want to see no cream puffs. Away. I want to see the same faces 10 years from now and more faces that you brought in here 10 years from now. Because you're helping them. They're watching you. They're checking you out. Seeing how you're going to go through that trial. You mean you're going to go to church again at night? I don't want to go to that church. Ah, well, we're going to give them the tape in a while. See, because the Bible says there's going to be times when the enemy's going to come in like a flood. Like a flood. See, emergencies are inevitable in our lives. How then are we to be prepared? And how are we to respond to these emergencies? See, we may well be living a common even kill life with a lot of same old, same old right now. Maybe you're just, you know, you're, you're living a life and just same old, same old. But all of a sudden, the floods come. 
You weren't looking for it. You weren't expecting it. But boom, something happens. And you know what I'm talking about. Tragedy may occur in our lives. Suddenly, all of a sudden, a crisis, a sudden storm arises in our lives. Uh, an unexpected trial will come right up our front door. What then? How shall we react? See, literally, we may not have to come before judges or, or kings or, go or governors, but Christ was only using these as figures of speech to teach and to get across a point to his disciples in this scripture. And we're teaching it here today. This is going to happen to every life. A little rain must fall or a lot of rain must fall at times. He wanted to teach his disciples a principle. Jesus did. He wanted to ready and prepare their mentality of his disciples to be able to confront any and all of life's emergencies. That's what I want for us. To be ready to confront any and all emergencies that are going to come our ways. Now, there's other types of kings and governors. He says kings and governors, but there's all kinds in life. There's the king of sickness, the governor of sorrow. There's the king of trouble, the governor of loss. Or how about the king of all the jungles called death, the lion in winter uh, that comes our way. <sighs> the chilly winds blow in winter. How shall we deal with these types of calamities and trials that come into our lives? Shall we run? Shall we hide? Should we dummy up? How are we going to act? When push comes to a shove, we're going to see what you're made of. It's going to happen. See, these modern-day kings and governors, Jesus knew. He knew. They have a way of, of causing grief and, and terror in the lives of common folk uh, that don't know how to really deal with these issues, by and large. Uh, when we're having to face and confront them. I mean, somebody was telling me that Tuesday, President Bush is going to make a decision right? what's going to happen. What if we have to go right into war? Americans aren't going to be too well liked. And if that was going to be in Indonesia. Oh my goodness. I should just be preaching right here. <laughs> if I'm preaching to him, I'm preaching to me. He's my son. My only beloved one. Only begotten son. Uh, but I've begotten two daughters. Praise the Lord. Okay. How are we going to conduct ourselves uh, when sickness and sorrow and loss and loneliness and even death? Um, these, these are kings and governors, and they are inevitable in our lives. So what shall we do? How are we to conduct and react in life's emergencies? Now, when the disciples heard these words from Christ, they no doubt began to ready themselves and rehearse themselves for these coming days, they begin to, I mean, the disciples weren't dummies. They probably begin to oh, wonder, what are we going to do? How are we going to act? They begin to rehearse all these things among themselves when they heard these, these words from Christ. They probably went over some key, key lines and, 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 and some answers that they thought would, would do the trick and get them by. Well, see, King, it's this way. The woman that thou gavest me. Uh, same old lame old, uh, like Adam all the time. The woman that thou gavest me, Gina. I'm just kidding. Hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Lisa. Just kidding. Uh, see, King. You know, they begin to rehearse. Uh, your royal harness, majesty. Uh, you know, uh, 
I want to take the fifth. I want to see my attorney. I need a phone call. Uh, they begin to rehearse all these things. Uh, but no, Jesus says, don't even prepare such a speech. That's what he says. That's what he tells them. Don't prepare a speech. Don't worry about your words. When they deliver you up, don't worry. Don't be anxious for what to say or how to, how to deal with your emergency. Don't. Here's the key, church. Christ is telling them, don't prepare a speech. Prepare your life. Don't prepare words. Prepare you. Prepare yourself. Get ready. Get ready. That's what is happening with our homes. We send guys into that couldn't take care of themselves and women, and all of a sudden, go get ready. Go get ready. Ah, don't prepare a speech. Prepare your life. Mm. But not just the homes, the churches. You got to come here. Get ready. Ah, prepare a lifestyle. That's why we always have themes every, every month. Not, you know, tithing or, or stewardship month. Or, no, because we want it to be a lifestyle. Ah, worship month. No, we want it to be a lifestyle. Prepare your life to worship and honor and glorify the awesome God that we have. A lifestyle. Ah. See, that's how we are to prepare for, to meet our emergencies. Did you hear what I said? By preparing ourselves, that's how we prepare ourselves for the emergencies. We are to prepare our lives, ourselves, our inner man, for those kings and governors and emergencies that are going to come right up our front door. Uh, do you remember, and I wrote this here in my sermon, years ago I spoke a, a message, and at the beginning of the sermon I asked the question that I'm going to ask right now. I asked you, who was Willie Mays? I don't know if you remember, but some of you probably, most of you don't. But I, I said, who was Willie Mays? And every, everybody said, the center fielder, uh, the all-star, the... Hall of Famer for the San Francisco Giants. And I said, wrong answer. You were all wrong. That's what he did. That's not who he was. If you want to see what he was, sorry, but it's on record too. He broke a lot of records, but on his other record, that was a gambler. It's in the records. They're not going to put it on this baseball card. They're going to put the other records. Ah, oh, 600 some home runs and... Ay, 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 ay. That's who he was. That's not what he did. He did. He played center field. That's what he did, but that's not who he was. Uh, and the same principle is found here. We're dealing here, my friend, with the inner man, the real person who Pastor Cal used to say that you take to bed each night. Uh, like I said, when you push him to a shove, we're going to see what you're made of. And that's the thing that Jesus is trying to tell us and his disciples here. That the answer to emergencies is found within themselves. And how they conduct themselves. How they have prepared themselves. Their own lives for floods, for kings, for sickness, for loss, for tragedy, for emergencies. Uh, that's the reason why I as a pastor, I try to, you know, stress the importance of church attendance. It's not just, oh, church again. No, no, no. Prepare yourself. It's not just one other sermon. You're dealing with a lifestyle here. Not one sermon. That's why I've said before, messengers are like sediment. Remember, sediment is like a, a, you know, a, a year per, a, a, on, on the side of a mountain, on a cliff. You can see the, the lines, the lines. That's sediment. And every sermon just builds you and builds you and builds you and gets you stronger. 
And those of you that have known the Lord and you just come here periodically, you know what I'm talking about, even though, even you. Ah, because when you, you go out there, you maybe you're not serving God wholeheartedly, but you remember some of these sermons. When you're, and they help you. You remember some of the stuff that, that, that's been taught and, and, and preached behind this pulpit and out there as well. And you can't do those things that you used to do. Why? Because you know better. To know God is to know better. Ah, and you know that. And they help you. They assist you. That's why it's important to come. Ah, get ready for life's emergencies. We need every sermon and every spiritual truth that we can get for life's emergencies and journey. Ah, the more sediment, the stronger the mountain. Matthew 25, verses 1 through 10, talk about the parable of the ten virgins. Remember that? Five were foolish and five were wise. The key was that in emergency, when the bridegroom came, the Bible says in Matthew 25, 1 through 10, the key to that, that, that messenger, that parable, the five that had the oil, the five that didn't, the key to that parable to me is talking about oil equals character. What does oil equal? character. That's why when you come to, to church, you're getting oil. You're buying oil. You're, you're investing your time and your energies. God knows that. And God's a great, great, you know, uh, somebody to work for. He checks it out. He loves when you come to church. He's giving you oil for your lap. But the Bible says the other f five were foolish. They only came every now and then. Some stopped coming. So when the bridegroom came in the midnight, everybody was asleep. They had to come and trim their oils. But some of them didn't have the oil. Remember what they do? What did the five that didn't have the oil do? They asked the other five that had the oil, Hey, homie. Homie, don't you know me? Why don't you show me? Hey, you're a Christian? Christians are supposed to share. And what do the five Christians that had the oil say? No. And in the, in the, in the Greek, it's, very, it's an emphatic no. Matter of fact, in the Greek, it could be interpreted, no, don't even pray on it. That's where I get that saying that I have. Uh, sorry you asked, buddy, but you're not going to get it. Uh, see, because character, what does oil stand for? Character cannot be exchanged. You either got it or you don't. And where do you get it? Cracking open your word? On your knees, coming to church, fellowshipping with the saints, not with the ain'ts? Uh, that's how you get the oil in your lamp. You either got it or you don't. It's your own fault if you don't. Because you didn't want to buy it when you could have. Now that's what the Bible says there in Matthew uh, 25 verse 8, I'm pretty sure. That when they went to buy, they had the money but they didn't want to invest. Uh, it's your own fault. You know what a fault is? It talks about faults in Philippians. Uh, to, to, mess, to deal with your faults. Hayward is built on a fault. We have our own fault in Hayward. Man, I shouldn't live here. Well, it's your fault. You do. Ah, you bought it. Hallelujah. Ed knows he's got to do business here with these faults. Hallelujah. Ah, you got to do faults. See, when you live in a place where there's faults, you have, your house has to be very, very fortified. It needs a lot of sediment, a lot of sermons. You got to be strong. You got to be retrofit, ready. Retrofit. Because there's going to come earthquakes in your life. There's going to come emergencies in your life. There's going to come tragedies in your life, turmoil, hard times in your life. And if you're not retrofit, uh, if you just built your house on, on sand and when the earthquake comes, like the Marina District in San Francisco, when the earthquake came, whap, their houses came down. Why? It was built on sand, not on rock, solid rock. 
Uh, we got to retrofit our houses. The key is found in verse 19 of Matthew 10. It says, be not anxious. See, Christ is trying to tell us to face our problems. Oh, I like this one. He's trying to tell us, face your problems with the invincibility of a prepared life. That's the bottom line of my sermon. Deal with your problems, your issues, with the invincibility of a prepared life. Uh, a, not a prepared speech. That's a Band-Aid. Uh, you ever seen con artists? Uh, anybody see the Catch Me If You Can? Uh, those guys, they're con artists. They, they, they rely on little speeches. Oh, whoa, you know, bandage, bandage. But they're not solid. That's like, you know, drug addicts, con artists. They're just little solid, little, little bitty things. Uh, but we're not supposed to do that. Don't prepare a speech, prepare a life. I've mentioned a number of times before that we have so many Jekyll and Hyde Christians, up and down, yo-yo Christians. When you meet them on the streets or in church, remember what have I said before? You can't ask them, how are you today? What are you supposed to ask them? Who are you today? Fickle. Mr. Fickle and Mr. Hyde. Ah, Fickle Jekyll. You have some Christians because they're not solid. They didn't pay the price. They didn't buy tapes. They didn't study the word. Ah, you know, I love Bibles that look like this. I'm not just hiding, but this, these are the, yeah, I'm, I don't mind good, nice-looking Bibles, too. <laughs> this was nice-looking at one time. Uh, but this shows some stuff. Underlined and red-lettered and all that stuff. Uh, you got to prepare yourself. Uh, not who are, you know, instead of how are you today, who are you? See, Jesus was trying to tell us to prepare ourselves to be even-keeled Christians. Cruise control Christians. That's what he's trying to tell us. Keep it on cruise control. Don't panic. Don't be too much of this way. Don't be too much of that way. Keep it on cruise control as a Christian. Uh, he says, be not anxious. Christ is trying to tell us so. Our first step in preparation for life's emergencies is to cultivate the strength of stillness. Uh, the strength of calmness. Of coolness poise in the noise anxiety and worry are mental and spiritual unrest uh, they're, they're, they're spiritual and mental chaos that's what they are anxiety and worry they are the absence of confidence and calmness in Christ and believe me confidence and calmness are the very secret of strength cruise control you're ready to face whatever comes your way See, people with this attitude, with this character, they have a way of being able to quiet any riot. That's my title. When you have this, you can be quiet in the riot. Uh, you don't get, you don't get uh, lost in a sermon. You know, some, usually sometimes when I'm preaching, I don't really like look. Because I could get lost in you. Uh, some of you are like... you're riot and you're not quiet you're anxious you're anxious be anxious about nothing guess what the sermon's going to end just in case you didn't know and some of you are so cool yeah. 
I mean, you, you learn how to come and look at your watch around here so I can't see you. Man. Ah. Poise in the noise. You know, many times when couples come and talk to my wife and I, just being cool and calm and collected, some of them come, we're just, my wife and I, we have a way, we just sit there and sometimes we don't even say hardly nothing. All we were doing, just, okay, just, just. And they can see, man, these people are, man, they're okay, they must have it together. Uh, but we were just there because we want to help you. We just, so you, she knows, you can, this is a good laugh, Joe. You there'll be a good laugh, you know. Now, we do get along well, but there's times you don't even know. You come to a, oh, and you, oh, God, Pastor Stephen, Joseph, and the minute you leave, Because everybody goes through these things. But all we did is we got biblical here. Uh, and we just, because we've been there. We know we're going to, that's just a storm that we're going through anyways ourselves. We'll go through it. Uh, hallelujah. See, people that are cool and calm and collected, collected. Uh, they have a way of being able to meet all of life's demands. See, cool, comical. Collected is a very, very key word. It has the connotation of a well-kept garage by a householder. That's what it means in the Greek. Let me, let me say that again, the word collected. Okay? It has the connotation of a well-kept garage by a householder. Have you ever been to a person's garage and they have everything just, just so? Uh, you ever been to my office? Don't go. Uh, but they have that garage, and you know that if anything messes up, they're going to go, they're going to fix it. They got, this is for that, this is for that, this is just right, okay. We didn't, okay, right here. Uh, that's what the word collected means. Because uh, whenever, whenever a storm comes, whenever something happens, they're ready for it. Oh, this one's for this. This is for loneliness. This is for tragedy. This is for loss. Gotta, you've got to put it back. Because everything's collected. Cool, cool. That's the way our, our life should be. Um, your life should be because why? Because you you you, can't, you heard a sermon on this and you put it right there. Psalms ninety one is for this. Uh, Romans eight is for this. Uh, and you know all this and you're ready because your life you got it together. That's what collective means. You got it together. Uh, and we need to understand that. It's important that we cultivate a life of calmness, a life of little or very little anxiety. Don't worry. Be praying. That's what Philippians 4, 6 says. Uh, it mentions that. Uh, do not be anxious for anything. Uh, but in all things, in prayer and supplications, Philippians 4, 6 talks about that. Having it together. Now remember, Jesus was telling us that a prepared life is more valuable than a prepared speech or a planned out or a rehearsed response. Did you get that? That's what he was telling us. Then, another key thing here is I close. Jesus instructs us uh, not to be anxious about anything. Then he, says, then he says, don't be anxious about tomorrow in those scriptures as well. Uh, about tomorrow, your future. See, Jesus knew that things are not always as they seem. We might look at, at the horizon and see dark, dark clouds coming our way. But later on, they went, they went another direction. The jet stream sent them someplace else. Or else if they did come, the storm wasn't all that bad. 
And if the storm was bad, so what? Because we had shelter to weather the storm. Sheltered in the arms of Jesus. I have a song that I always quote sometimes. The world is holding on to nothing, yet it won't let go. But you and I got something to hold on to, and we got somebody that holds us. We know who holds the future. We know who holds our hand. Even if the storm is tough, we have a shelter that the world doesn't have. They don't have that. Shelter in the loving arms of Christ, even in the worst storm. Uh, and they're going to come. They happen. And besides, in Christianity, troubles and trials and storms, they usually work for our good. God can turn them into anchors and experiences that will only strengthen us and prepare us for the next one. Romans 8, 28 and 29. They can work for our benefit. Romans 8, 28 is one of the most well-known portions of Scripture. But many times when I speak, I don't stop there. I'll use verse 29 and I'll show you why. Do you have it? And we know that all things work together for what? Take the good out and put your name on there. You're the boss. Who's the boss? Who's the boss? I'm the boss. You're the boss. All things work together. Storms, hard times, good times, troubles, trials, tribulations. Together for Steve. To them that love God, to them who are the call according to his purpose. For in whom God did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed. There's a key word. To the image of his son. To be conformed. Remember what I was taught before? God's not so much into comforting us as he is into conforming us. Conforming us into what? The image of his son. Did his son go through trials? The biggest trials on this planet. He went through the hardest. He lived the hardest life. He went through the hardest trials anybody ever lived through. And if he did it, we're going to have to do. Because he wants to conform us, not comfort us, into the image of his son. And conforming takes some chiseling sometimes. Some hard, difficult times that we got to go through. But he's conforming us into the image of a son that we'll be able to look like him as best as possible. Resemble him as best as possible. Because people got to see us being able to go through it. They're checking us out. How does he do it? To God. Then through God. Be the glory. See, that means that all the trials are working for us. We're not, we're the boss. We're not working for them. Ah. Uh, we're in charge. We need to know that. Nehemiah 11.6. I'm going to be preaching on this pretty soon, but I want to bring it out now. It's one of my top ten scriptures in all of scripture. Nehemiah 11.6. I've been putting a sermon together on it, on this, but I wanted to use it here today and end, and end my sermon with this scripture. Nehemiah. No, 611, excuse me, 611, 611, 611, 611, got that? And I said, should such a man as I run? I've taught on this before. See, Nehemiah did not have an identity complex. He did not have an identity crisis. He knew who he was. He knew what kind of a man he was. He was just playing with words here. They were trying to get him to quit doing what he was doing because he was being effective in the kingdom of God. And this church has some people that are being effective in the kingdom of God. There, we got some, we, we're, we're being effective people. This past week, we shook the Bay Area. Things are cooking over here. Ah. 
So the enemy's going to come against people in a church like this. Uh, and if you don't know who you are, if we don't know who we are, then the enemy's going to cause us to do some stuff, try to take matters into our own hands. Our hands got to be up here. Worshiping and praising God. See, Nehemiah was trying, they were trying to get him to come and quit the work, to go have a meeting uh, in the Valley of Ono, when you read it there. And what did Nehemiah say? Oh, no, I ain't going. Because uh, he knew who he was. You talking to me, devil? That's what he said. You Come on, buddy, try another one. Uh, don't you know who I am? Because I know who I am in Christ. Should such a man of my... I've been through stuff. Uh, I've been through some doozies here. I've been through some trials here. Should such a man as I run uh, look for a window there's always a ram caught in the thicket in your life God's going to make a way of escape the invincibility of a repaired life we got to be like the royal rangers that's why you know God was ministering to me about the royal rangers and that's why I knew the sermon was for tonight what is their motto what is their code ready for anything wow wow that was God a God idea ready for anything they're already getting ready for a life of invincibility invincibility the Royal Rangers are being trained already to prepare their life not a speech uh, well, well well see this you can't beat the devil with flowery words uh, it, it's your testimony they were came by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony their lifestyle, that's what it means. Uh, he had a, Nehemiah had a good testimony. Nehemiah had a good lifestyle. And he knew that. That's why he didn't have no complexes. What about your life? Ask yourself. How's your lifestyle? When the enemy comes in like a flood, how are you going to react? How have you been reacting? We all have telltale signs. That's why, again, I couldn't stress enough, church, Fasting. Tomorrow we fast on Mondays. Prayer. Prayer on Tuesdays. All these prayers that we Saturdays. Prayer. Prayer at your house. Pastor Kelly was used to tell all the leaders, all the ministers, listen ministers, you got to come prayed up to the prayer meeting. And I agree with him. You got to come prayed up to the prayer meeting. You got to be ready. Uh, a prepared lifestyle, not a prepared speech. I went every head bowed and every eye closed. Quiet in the riot. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but Jesus is instructing us not to be anxious about it. I learned way back, right in the home, to look for a ram cut in the thicket. God always is going to come out on top. Because we don't have to be under the circumstances, we can be above. The circumstances, life's like Timothy preached.
for those of you that say, Brother Steve, I, I want to prepare myself, my inner man, for life's emergencies, for life's storms, for life's ill situations. I don't believe that I have enough oil and I need more oil in my lamp to keep me burning. If that's you here tonight, and you want me to pray for you, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, you say, this sermon was right up your 880 freeway. And you want me to pray and conclude this message in prayer. I'm going to ask you right now, this sermon was for you. Stand to your feet, slip out of your seat, and come down to the altar. We're going to say a prayer for you. The altar is open. As every head is still bowed, every eye is still closed. But you say, the sermon was for me. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, sit out of your seat, and come and bend the knee to Jesus here at this altar or stand at this altar. 